Hey, it's Seeking Plum. I know, I know, it's been a long time. I thank you for your patience and my apologies for it being so long. I have missed podcasting. I've missed talking about ideas, thinking about them, hearing your thoughts, bouncing ideas back and forth. And I thought maybe, maybe it was about time to get back into it. Or at least that's the plan. I've talked about how I tend to avoid the news when I can these days, but when the Kavanaugh confirmation started escalating, uh, it bled more and more into my world. I've had a lot of thoughts and feelings about it, but I didn't want to rehash the things that other people are talking about. And then an article came today that got me thinking about some different ideas. It's found on medium.com, and it's entitled The Day American Patriarchy Took Its Mask Off. I believe the author's name is Umar Haq or Haik. I'll include a link to the article in the show notes. The subtitle of the article reads, You can have a democracy, or you can have men competing to be the most dominant and abusive, but you can't have both. Just pausing here for a second, I think that this statement is true, regardless of whether the word men is in there. It could be any, any group. Anyone who is competing to be the most dominant or abusive will destroy the possibility for true democracy. Okay, I'm going to read you a couple of paragraphs from this article just to lay the groundwork. The author writes, What did you see Brett Kavanaugh do today? He flipped in this strange, polarized, binary way between extreme narcissistic rage, shouting, red-faced, about his many accomplishments, thundering how he'd been first in his class, and so on and just as extreme unctuous self-pity in great broken sobs. How can they have done this to me? Isn't that bizarre? Psychologically, we'd call it borderline-level malignant narcissism, not an ounce of concern or regard for anyone else. He was the world's greatest victim, hounded and pursued by malign forces, unfair because he was as pure as the driven snow. A virgin, so they say. All that, as confusing as it may be, is exactly what patriarchy really is. These are the only two behaviors that patriarchy really allows men. I will come to why, but first I want you to understand them. Men in patriarchal hierarchies, let's just say, people who can only really climb up or slide down hierarchies, only have two behaviors available to them. Those who will climb to the top of such systems must do so by becoming the most dominant and controlling. They must threaten the most violence. When they cannot do that, they must become obsequious, maybe even weepy, playing the victim. That way, their potential power is maximized. Those below them fall into line while those above them aren't threatened. Okay, some thoughts. Are these the only two ways that one can move up and down a, a hierarchy? I don't know. But let's pretend it is and move forward with it a little bit. So to climb a hierarchy, this author is asserting that it takes violence or the threat of violence to be dominant and controlling. Now, I think, and I'm sure this author agrees the same, that that threat of violence is not always done physically. Because as we saw with Kavanaugh, he essentially exhibited both sides of this from being very aggressive in his words, his tone, his behavior, and then the flip side of it, being weepy and playing the victim. 
parenthetically, I was thinking that the obsequious behavior is something more along the lines of what you would see women do. Not necessarily playing the victim, but attempting to to be assertive when needed, but not in a way that is threatening, and at the same time being more approachable to those beneath her. But, but if it takes being dominant and controlling to rise the highest, I think that's why you don't see many women high in hierarchies. We don't threaten violence, whether in our body language or the tones we use, the words we use, it's just not something we do. If we do attempt it, we are instantly labeled a lot of negative things. Okay, stepping outside of this just a little bit, I think that even if this is how we climb and slide down hierarchies, I think that it's not always in a negative fashion. Like these words have a lot of negative connotations to them, but I'm not sure that the actions are always negative. Do you know what I mean? It reminds me of something I talked about in the episode about defining success, that there are two ways to go about it. And one is that you can step on the heads and shoulders of other people so that you climb higher and you feel better about yourself. Or you can pull your bootstraps up and do the hard work and do it yourself. But the second way is harder and the first is easier, faster. So I think you can climb a hierarchy without threats. I think it's harder, obviously, and it takes longer, but I think it's possible. Later, the author writes, Now, if all this is true, really true, not just idle theorizing, then we'd expect to see something pretty strange and gruesome in America. The violent and abusive men would, in fact, be rewarded, not punished. And so they tend to rise higher, further and faster than less violent and abusive men, and isn't that precisely what we do seem to see? Whether it's Weinstein, Kavanaugh, Cosby, or any number of the seemingly endless men on the Me Too list. Something I have found interesting, or at least intriguing, is if this is true, the, the way hierarchies are built and designed and how we climb them and so on, looking for the weaker people, groups, to step on, to assert power and control, then there are some very interesting observations. Getting back to the topic of sexual assault or abuse, etc., when a child comes forward, we don't analyze them, villainize what they're sharing, we don't scrutinize every detail. For the most part, we tend to believe them. When a man steps forward, I think that there are a few other layers to this, because when a man steps forward and says he was a victim, He's almost taking himself down the hierarchy by showing, if you will, his throat, right? He's being vulnerable. He's showing that he, he has lost some control, some power. So I think that almost because of that, he's more likely to be believed. And maybe too, because it's not as common to hear a man come forward. So there's less questioning of what they're telling us. When Terry Crews came forward and talked about what happened to him, I don't remember, and of course this is anecdotal, but I don't remember there being the same type of 
of scrutiny over what he said happened, when it happened, you know, who did it or anything like that, that women often get. Normally, the perpetrator is innocent until proven guilty. But I think when you look at these cases with women, it's usually the woman is guilty until proven otherwise. We are looked at and, and our decisions are looked at, what we wear, where we were, when we were there, whether we were consuming alcohol, how much we consumed, uh, the decisions we've made. Maybe I said that already. And there's almost this, this thought of how dare you question someone higher in the hierarchy. Anyway, what I find interesting is that children are not stepped on. They are not uh, accused of various things, even though, even though they would be perceived as the weakest uh, on, on the ladder, right? But I suppose it's because it would almost be taboo to attack a child in that way. But women... We're adults, right? Quote-unquote fair game. But these are all just musings. I don't really know. So I asked myself, how do we begin to change this framework that is in everywhere in our societies? I think a long-term way would be in how we teach our children to succeed, what success even means, that we help shape their view so that they are reaching for personal accomplishments as opposed to comparative ones. So moving forward, they're doing their best as opposed to being the best. And I think playing into that also is we need to redefine success, that it's not always about climbing a ladder or power or money or prestige or control or anything like that. There's a zillion different ways you can define success. But I think all of this really leads to the next question is that can hierarchies work in in a way that is healthy for society? Honestly, I don't know. But if I were to grasp, I would begin looking at the military because those hierarchies have been in place for so long. And I think, but don't quote me on this, I think that advancement there is based more on personal advancement as opposed to comparative. So although not perfect, I would say maybe those hierarchies are ones to look at, at least as a starting point. Okay, so if the toxic behavior of patriarchy, and just to add here that I think gender is not necessarily specific here because it can be men who do this, it can be women who do this. But if the patriarchy is born out of hierarchies and how we climb them, then I've got some questions. First, how can we encourage different behavior to climb a hierarchy, a ladder? What do we encourage people to do and how do we do it in order to change the way this climbing happens? And another question is, do we need hierarchies or can we exist where each person's job, role, whatever, is equally valued? Is a hierarchy-free society a utopian idea? So again, even though this article used gender-specific words, I don't think this is limited to gender. So what are your thoughts? Putting gender aside, what do you think? Any ideas? I'd love to hear them.
that it's worthwhile to look at and critique hierarchies as a system of organization and authority um, beyond simply looking at the patriarchy. Even though I recognize that right now that's a very salient hierarchy that is ripe for examination and critique, it is by no means universal and it is one of um, one of dozens, maybe hundreds of different hierarchies that influence or have a role in our everyday lives, and it affects different groups of people, different communities, and different places to varying degrees. Um, the patriarchy is of marginal concern of some communities because men are already absent from the conversation. Now, some would argue that the consequence of, like, incarceration and other socioeconomic concerns in communities where men are absent is a reflection of or the result of some kind of patriarchal influence that permeates through society. I don't know how helpful that is on a practical level in terms of how, you know, families and communities um, try to build a life for themselves and navigate the world. I think there are a lot of different systems of value and because that's really what a hierarchy is, it's sort of like a, a system of values. It's a standard of what you profess to be the good thing and then a ranking of those things, you know, that you ascend. It's, that's why they kind of, it's often hierarchies like a ladder, I don't know that um, I have a lot of problem with that, um, the, underlying, the, the underlying story that supports the hierarchies that exist are, are really, there isn't anything real about them necessarily. Those underlying stories are just tools that we use to understand, um, understand and define the tribe that we are part of. It's kind of an abstract abstract way of saying it, but we hold up certain ideas and ideals and we um, celebrate, celebrate people who can convincingly occupy those ideals and we elevate them and give them fame, celebrity, authority, power, etc. as a symbol of the ideal of this story that we've created. So with that, it's not, it's not the story or the hierarchy itself that I have a problem with. It's the corruption um, and the inability of people to hide now. So I think that it's always been true that people who have been elevated have been deeply flawed um, in incredible ways. And like history kind of bears that out um, and a lot of people a lot of historical figures have been sort of um, stripped of their grandeur because of our new awareness of the trash humans that they were they did what they did and we benefit from it but as a trash human human we don't celebrate them anymore um, so I think the big thing is now 
there's no real hiding place. Um, yeah, it's like we we see we see everything, so it's much more difficult to hold that story together, and it's much more difficult to um, confidently place people in these positions of power and authority and hold people up in these ideal scenarios because the reality is nobody is worthy of the story that we build up um, and everybody but people feel compelled to present themselves as such for the sake of climbing that so it's not that for me the latter isn't bad it's the lies that people tell to climb it um, in an environment and in a time and place where everything is transparent, there is no more hiding place. So the, the will to power, as Nietzsche, Nietzsche described it, is a really big driver for a lot of people, um, a lot of the people who've made central contributions to, you know, create the world that we live in and solve some of the major problems um, and breakthroughs throughout history, they were driven by that thing of that incentive. I think that whatever, I, I feel like there needs to be a ladder available for those people. Uh, and there also needs to be some, a check on it and some accountability for it. But I think taking away that ladder can have some really devastate, devastating unintended consequences if, um, if it's moved away. So I think what we value has to change, but the latter has to stay in place. That was Jared of Slingsmith Radio with a more nuanced perspective on this topic. I'm not going to say too much here, but uh, just a bit to clarify, I, I was using the behavior of hierarchies and how they're climbed and maneuvered uh, and the word patriarchy sort of interchangeably but that's not entirely accurate. I think that the behavior is more primitive and uh, ancient, old. You know, it's something we've always done. Um, but I think that patriarchy is a result of that. And so it's a bit different. And so that said, I think uh, just to add on to the tail end of what Jared said, is that I think, I think hierarchies have a bit of both that that ancient game being played and the being elevated, the symbols of what we value. Great stuff, Jared. I am really glad you called in. Hey, Seeking Plum, this is Robin. You know, I've struggled with your topic here. I've listened to your cast now four times. <laughs> I read the article or at least browsed it that you mentioned. And I've had some serious thoughts about this because patriarchy is obviously ingrained in our society and hierarchy is part of that basically and um, I've experienced women in the workplace in positions of power that seem to feel they have to act as if they're men to be leaders so you see women em emulating patriarchal behavior <laughs> or male behaviors let me go to the next piece 
of my conversation. So in trying to make sense of some sort of comment to your, your questions, uh, you know, I, I, I've raised two boys and I remember specifically being aware of, of trying to, uh, encourage their female or their feminine sides and I have watched both of them although both are successful in life now as as male adults the they suffered they've actually had some suffering they had to go through as young men or or young children going into a male dominated sort of environment within their own maleness you know and I'll explain a little bit more about that I mean when we talk about this violence thing I I uh, I don't believe that necessarily that men climb the hierarchy by having to exhibit violence that's I don't I don't really trust that um, part of the article, but I do believe there is a manifestation, if you will, of male dominance, of course, over women and children and families, and that that's been sort of there for long, long time. You know, this patriarchy with um, male dominance. Basically, it's male having males having to power over women and children so so when women became more I guess you will assertive and in the workplace and asserting their feminist rights if you will in the 60s and 70s I think um, that patriarchy has sort of has sort of been put on its head a little, but the origins are still there. And when we look at this case about Kavanaugh, um, the high school, if you will, the high school test tube, (laughs) uh, men powering over women and bravado and sexual exploits and Uh, these one minute things are way too it's I think something that has um, been there for quite you know for decades and decades and now in the 21st century we have evolved in a way that we have evolved in a way and we haven't in a way but we have in a way that men and women together are starting to question the um i guess the patriarchal phenomena if you will and and trying to find ways to change it i think it's uncomfortable for both sexes if you will um, but it doesn't 
but it doesn't change the ingrained or the innate sort of DNA that's inside, I think, right now. Um, I mean, so many years, you know, the in psychology and biology and on all these different looks at the gender roles and the sexism and all of that, you know, it we're we're all constantly learning about it, but I don't think that the male supremacy has been challenged enough in the historical or you know, the historical way. And and so I think we're at a place where that is more than ever being looked at. And although we see it in like our media right now, it's not always the right place to deal. I think the article you read part of, you know, that that um, secondary title is true too, I think. You know, that if you think of democracy as being equality, <laughs> which I don't know if exactly how what definition of democracy your right the writer was really lis- looking at but i just think this is a hard topic it's one that's deep it's one that's uh you know needs to be taken into consideration with more than just a judge's confirmation i mean <laughs> Women's subordination has has been happening, you know, and patriarchy, which supposes that, you know, men are superior. I mean, when they, when you think that's what it's really challenging, you know, that that's what was being challenged, her word against his word this time. And so you have this patriarchy that, that has this natural superiority of men over females, you know, um, and that it's been ingrained that, that in our bringing up that, you know, we're less important than them, you know, that has been the way it's been, um, and that we have been stepping up, of course, we've been taking control over our own reproductive rights. We've been working in the boardrooms ourselves as best we can. Um, it just, I just don't think there's any easy answers to it. Um, I think the beginning is, you know, looking at the concepts you've brought up here. I think that they need to be really deeply looked at and there needs to be some uh, panels if you will speaking about this again and bringing up all kinds of structures that have been left with us over the years you know it's not just uh, it's just not one of course not one simple thing there's many layers to it so the hierarchy is uh, in institutions is there and um, it's just not easily finished off Robin you are so right 
there's so much to these topics of hierarchies and the patriarchy. And I've been doing a lot of thinking about where some of these things began. Going back so far as to when we were hunters and gatherers, to when religion became more prominent, to where we are today. I don't think there's any way of knowing necessarily, but I'm beginning to think that maybe I had the perspective wrong and that maybe maybe the hierarchies are a symptom of the patriarchy. Because I think some of those beliefs that men are superior and should be dominant over women go back at least thousands of years because they've become a part of of religions and were they there before then and how prominent were they? I, I don't know. I haven't done enough research or study to know. But I think you are absolutely right. Both men and women, we have, we've evolved over time in how we see each other, how we interact with each other, and we have made progress. So I don't know if this is like we went from a more egalitarian type of community to something... Uh, to this patriarchy, to now attempting to to break our way out of it, I don't know. It's it seems like it's a not a cycle necessarily, but uh, a sine wave, if you will, or a pendulum swinging. When you talked about your boys and their struggles with their maleness as they have grown, it brought up something else I've been thinking about, and that is. Of course, I'm a woman, so I see these topics from my perspective, but I would love to hear men talk about what it is they face from the expectations society puts on them to the expectations family does, and then in turn, they've put on themselves. I want to know the things that they're afraid of, the things that concern them. Is it pressure from peers to have locker room talk? You know, is it, is it something that they would not normally have done? I wonder if those men who do feel that they are superior to women, I wonder if that's something that's become a part of their thinking over time and, and how it became that way. I think there's a lot of pressure on men not to talk about certain things, and, and I wish we could just have that platform so they could. You talked about panels and how it would be great to be talking about some of these things. And I completely agree. If we could have men and women on these panels discussing, not from an adversarial positions, but from with a goal of trying to understand each other better. I think we've come so far with, with the patriarchy where women can own property now. We can vote you know, some of those things have been slow in coming, but we have we have gotten there. Uh, and now we're working on equal pay and trying to retain women's rights with respect to our body. Uh, but of course, there are there are distances to go. And you made a good point as well about the article's reference to violence being necessary to climb a ladder. Or hierarchy, and and I agree that doesn't quite ring true for me. And personally, as I read it, I was reinterpreting that word <laughs> according to how I wanted to perceive it. And that was there's a lot of behaviors uh, that are more 
that are wrapped up in that that don't necessarily mean physical violence. Or at least that's how I, I took it, interpreted it, moved forward with it. Because we can have, and I think the word you used was perfect, and that's dominance. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there are any easy answers either. But I think if we continue to talk about, and hopefully if it can be done in a way that isn't pointing fingers and full of anger, then maybe we can continue to make progress. I think some of that comes in understanding each other or trying to understand each other. And, and maybe a great place to start, too, would be how to approach uh, cases where sexual assault um, or sexual harassment are involved. Because I think we need a new outlook. We need a new approach to those cases than villainizing the victim. And I don't think it means getting rid of innocent until proven guilty. I think that's still an important building block to to how how our system works. I think this Kavanaugh case has been divisive. Like you've said, it's not it's not helpful for progress. That's not to say that I don't think he should be uh, looked at, investigated, but. I think the way that it's been publicized or the way it's been addressed has been very divisive. But I think it's a, that said, it's just, it's a hard, they're hard topics to face, to scrutinize, to evaluate in order to look for change, to look for justice and some way of moving forward. Anyway, thank you for calling in, Robin. I, I appreciate what you had to say. Robin was mentioning um, her experience with her sons and um, being intentional about um, really opening up the, the feminine side of the male child because, you know, we're, we're whole people and, you know, certainly not all one thing. I think that the capacity for violence is um, is something that all, well, not all, many, many males um, are encouraged to develop. Not that you actually are violent, but that you have the capacity for it um, and can demonstrate that capacity as a way of kind of being able to stand up for yourself. Some of it comes from um, from the family. A big chunk of it comes during puberty and uh, in adolescence when boys try to kind of navigate their place socially um, and a successful strategy. The, the capacity for violence is a successful social strategy. Um, it's a very straightforward way for, for, for males to kind of establish their place. Um, violence or violent application of another form of dominance, like you could be violent with your intellect, 
and violent with your sense of humor to make your place. I wonder how long it will take for society to decrease how it values the capacity for violence and the various applications of it. I suspect once society as a whole begins to decrease its value for those things, then it will trickle down into how we raise our boys. But although we've come a long way, I think <laughs> I think it's it's going to be a long a, a further distance yet before we value different things. A blend of the masculine and feminine in in each gender, all genders. So I think um, Robin made a good point about men dominating um, over women and children. Sort of histor- the historical case of that and the ongoing nature of that in the context of a family. And um, that's essentially what a patriarchy is. I think that many actions can at the same time be interpreted or described as an expression of dominance over and also as an expression of responsibility for and the need for that having someone who expresses who kind of um, embodies a capacity for violence as being responsible for a family has um, been a historically successful way of kind of organizing groups of people um but you know that's that's you know kind of the old plumbing and wiring when you add institutions or when you build institutions to support that idea i think that um it lets it allows people to take advantage of it who don't necessarily express any real character because we we celebrate um, a lot of people celebrate the characteristic of being a protector provider over a family as what a man is supposed to do um, that's reinforced in a variety of different ways um, but when that idea becomes institutionalized then the system doesn't care about the character of the person it benefits. So even a person who is who is expressing this capacity for violence in an unhealthy way can still benefit from a system that wasn't necessarily designed to be oppressive, um, but the outcome of it is oppressive because of the corruption of humans you know, who it, who it benefits. Um, I think that, yeah. Um, the line between oppression and the line, you know, that divides an act between oppressive and not oppressive, I think, is depending on what the need of the person who the, who the action is directed toward is expressing. Um, And what has happened in so many cases is that um, systems, 
hierarchies are in place to try to give meet a need that doesn't exist any longer and yeah so then that's that's so I think that's a big part of where the, the disconnect comes from so let's see if this works <laughs> from a technical standpoint and that's it I'm done for now my first inclination was to say you're right that it is it is what we do it is what we should do with respect to celebrating uh, being a, a strong uh, male figure in the family being a protector etc but but really when I think about it why right we don't live in a time anymore where we have to protect family members from saber-toothed tigers <laughs> you know and and if it comes down to protecting protecting the family from other people, it's typically those who have also been told that strength uh, and protection is important as well. But if we weren't caught up in in this celebration of of violence and all of its various shades of of gray, black, and white, if that didn't play a factor in how we define strength, uh, protection, uh, you know, what would our, what would our dynamics look like now? Family dynamics, social dynamics, etc. I suppose to some extent, it's just that we as humans are evolving at a slower rate compared to how technology, science, and thus communities and society are advancing. So we're, we're playing catch up. Yeah, there is just, there is so much wrapped up in all of this. It's, uh, as Robin put it, uh, roughly speaking, that there's, there are no easy answers. There's no simple one answer. And I suspect that although progress has been made, you know, we've, we've got a We've got some time ahead of us yet where we're going to have to... And, and part of me wonders with how quickly things are advancing. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll catch up. Will we catch up? Are we always going to be playing catch up? And is it going to be a, a, a further distance behind as time passes? Do you know what I mean? Like, are we going to be... Are we going to be not as close to where we are in every other regard if... If science and technology are advancing as quickly as they are, I think it's going to be a long time, maybe. Maybe maybe we, we don't catch up. Maybe we just fall further and further behind, which is just sad when you think about it. I'm laughing, but that's <laughs> all I can do at this point because it's not funny. Hey, I'm, I was just listening to the responses, and I have to confirm how, what Jared said about the... Uh, well, several things he said, you know, and you were confirming as well, seeking plums, I, about, you know, how men are sort of pressured into having to show their, um, show their manliness or show their masculinity, I guess, in ways. And it's, like he said, it was starting in puberty. I think that's when I actually really noticed it in my oldest son, um, 
because something happened at his middle school and I remember him fighting somebody in the hallway and um, of course he went to the office because he was in trouble and they called me and I had to go down and talk to the principal and I remember the situation was somebody called I don't know, he used a foul language and he I guess he was saying motherfucker or something and I, I don't know, he got into it because he felt like well this is what he told me anyway but that uh, that he was fighting because he felt that the boy had you know, somehow said something derogatory about me his mom it was really weird, I don't know exactly what, what went down maybe it wasn't the MF word but anyway that was his that was his story you know and he wasn't i guess he had re- reached a tolerance level and that's when he decided he couldn't t- take it anymore and uh, it was like being egged on you know and i think there's a lot of emotional bullying and abuse going on in men, for men as well to each other Sorry for so many messages, but my minute, mine are like limited to one minute. Anyway, so basically, I saw in him that he really, I asked him something about, you know, had he tried to talk it out with them and just ignore him or move away from him or just use your words. You know, that's kind of the things I had taught him growing up. And um, he said, yeah, but I mean, he could see he was very, you know, he was not going to be thought of as a as a weenie you know (laughs) that's kind of basically what it was he had to prove that he was a man basically or that he was not going to take any crap from another guy so I think there's all kinds of different uh, structures that men are put under and I see him today as a grown man still kind of pushing those down those feelings down it's actually really sad. I mean, I feel kind of like men are at a real disadvantage. They have the same feelings and, and needs as women do. They just don't get to express them, you know? Otherwise, they're weenies. And I, as a female, enjoy when a man is more vulnerable and want to hear him, what he's feeling, like you said, uh, seeking from about, you know, his feelings or his... Um, fears and all of that stuff because they have them you know but they're they're supposed to like shut up and chin up and push them down and take care of everything and they're in control all the time so I mean I might be a little bit off topic here but I guess I guess this whole thing is that that all needs to be looked at as well that's just wrong for us to treat men differently like that you know so I, I too wonder because, you know, this is my, my son is 40, going to be 40 this year. And I'm thinking, you know, things really have not evolved that much for men. In my, my bringing up two men, I have a, a small seven-year-old grandson that I watch. And I watch sometimes, you know, and he's not supposed to be a little boy sometimes. He's only seven. I sometimes try to pull my son aside and talk to him about it but you know there's this whole thing of having to be a certain way in society otherwise you're thought of as being you know not man enough or not masculine enough 
So there's that. A con with, you know, that's an expectation we put on men. Men put on men, women put on men. I don't know. Is that going to change? And one more thing, and I'll be quiet. I was just thinking about my experience in schools, you know, mostly elementary. Well, mostly I notice it in middle school and high schools, you know, about how the men are together and what the, you know, how they're, the te the teasing that goes on, the back and forth. Um, I think by by high school, at the end of high school, they're more or less, you know, have moved away from that, but I really see it in the middle school and early years of high school. They're still trying to figure out their place as far as, you know, their worth in other, in other boys' eyes. So there's a, there's more to be discovered, you know, and I don't know that females are going to be able to do it. I think men are going to have to do some of that work, you know, and I don't know how that will work. Technology, ugh, that everybody's into their phone and into their apps and into everything, and then they don't. I see that I got cut off, and what I meant was everybody's into their phones, their apps, and then they don't talk to each other. They basically text each other or talk about that, about their phones and stuff. So, you know, I don't know if this technology is going to help us move forward or not. I really don't. It feels like it's more isolating. It's like, you know, in the 50s when the television came out, everybody thought it was going to be a big family gathering place. We could bring families together. Well, it didn't really do that, right? It's made us more insular, if you will. So, I don't know. I don't know how the phones and all the devices and all the gaming and all that, I don't know what's going to happen. Disappuzzlement. So I think the capacity for violence can be translated in modern times as the uh, ability to compete and provide. And you're not protecting um, the family directly from some intruder, but... Um, just trying to ensure that like all the resources are there um, that are required to keep everyone safe and healthy that's not solely a financial thing that's a big part of it I know that there are a lot of um, I mean you can look at communities where fathers are largely absent for example to see what the impact of them not being present has on that dynamic. So I think it's a, a point too um, that I think it, the impact of a single fa single parent family, whether it's male or female, can play out any number of ways. Um, overwhelmingly, if it's a single parent, most often it's a mother. The impact, I think, is compounded when it's, you know, not just in one individual family, but when it's like a community norm and that kind of sets uh, an environment, a larger community environment that can be challenging. Um, but one big point is that we've been talking primarily about 
um, sort of a heteronormative traditional family structure that is like increasingly not the case for a variety of reasons. You have, you know, same-sex families, um, families with same-sex parents, blended families, a wide range of different types of relationships that young people are growing up in. And I think that alone, a generation of people, uh, young people who grow up in these family situations will naturally begin to challenge um, gender roles and um, redefine what masculinity is. Um, And, I mean, I think that's ultimately what's going to shift the culture uh, is, you know, young people who don't, who aren't married to this conception because that's not the world that they were brought up in. So they are, they feel f- they're free to challenge it. Um, they were able to live in this family and grow in this family openly without some of the stigma that might have existed in the past. Um, and in, in some cases, I feel like people don't necessarily change you just change people. It's just going to be different people who show up and the people who were there before who believed a certain way. Their grip on power just naturally fades because it's just, you just change people, you know. <laughs> so we'll see. Okay, hopefully this will sound good. <laughs> I have my headphones and my mic on. I'm testing this out. Um, wow, great, great episode regarding the hierarchy and the um, patriarchy subjects and all the intermingled, uh, I guess you could call them sub-subjects, <laughs> um, coinciding subjects, alternate subject. Everything is... There are so many um, facets to this. It's like it's kind of like a spider web that just keeps going and you know growing out and being weaved more and more. It's yeah. So so many things that that I had come to mind as uh, Robin and uh, the other the other people that participated in this episode and shared their ideas on the subjects. Um, we're sharing. Okay. Um, the main two things I think I will try to address. Uh, and, uh, first and foremost, I would say to answer your main question, I I think it was, uh, science and religion from within science and from within religion. That is what it would take. You will have to go from within to change. Um, to do anything significantly in the way of uh, positive change and how males are to think of themselves and women in, in all areas of life. You will have to do it from within science and religion. You will have to prove to them, we will have to prove to them, their fellow man will have to prove to them, to all men, via science and religion they are not 
Yes, I am saying that you will have to go within those those arenas, the arena of science, first and foremost, but also of religion, all religion. I'm not talking just one type of religion, all religions, all at least the major religions. And you would have to, from within, prove using their own religious texts, using science and facts and provable scientific data, etc., it's not going to be easy. It's, of course, going to take time, just like it took time to get us where we are now. But, yeah, that is the only chance that we have of righting this wrong. The de degradation and basically the, um, the abuse of power that is just, it's, it's ingrained. And it's, um, it's not just tolerated. Yes, it's, it's not just tolerated. Um, it is promoted, it is applauded, it is um, worshipped. Much like the males that are very much masculine males that um, really love their comic book hero movies and their violence and, and uh, their um, respective sports, etc. Um, it is very much, um, it, is, it is made into as if it were scientific fact, and it has been for a long time, that man is, for instance, physically stronger and physically superior to woman. But the fact is that, yeah, there are some men who are and some men who are not, and there are some women who are stronger than some men, and there are some women who are not, physically speaking. That is a fact, a scientific um, one more thing I wanted to, I wanted to say before I forget, <laughs> my, one of my more important points that came to my head when, I think it was when Robin was speaking, um, and made it, had made a point, uh, as far as the, um, the male and, and the female, well, the female, uh, who gets power, <laughs> some level of it anyway, um, and I, I must admit, you know, I have worked under uh, females that were really awful to work for. <laughs> it was not pleasant. And um, it happens to uh, all minorities, I must admit, that you've been kept down, you've been bullied, and then you get a little bit of power. And what's that about corruption, power corrupting, right? Okay. Okay, I have to redo this one. <laughs> um, male and female are capable of abusing power and do. That is the truth. We all have to just admit and own it, you know, seriously. Um, and women, unfortunately, we, ha we have many times over throughout history, we have failed each other. And when push came to shove, whether it was in private, um, on a personal level, uh, as individuals at workplaces, etc., instead of stand standing up for a fellow female in a, a very awful situation, doesn't necessarily have to be sexual in, in nature, but whatever. Um, and you know, yeah, people will usually look out for themselves, and if it meant losing a job, no, they wouldn't speak out for their for their sister, so to speak. There's one problem right there. 
So there, that is just one hurdle, one obstacle to um, overcome in our quest for, I'm thinking what we're hoping to achieve here is what is close to what we can, what is it called? Yeah, yeah. Equality? Equal rights, equal pay, equal justice, equal respect, equal courtesy, equal regard. Um, I don't know that it's really possible to really, as imperfect humans, um, attain true, straight across the board, balanced, well-balanced, healthy equality for all, regardless of skin color, sexual orientation, etc. Um, I hope it is, but, and I do believe that's what we should be all aiming for. Um, that would be getting us in the area of paradise on earth. And so if what one's goal or as a human race, our ultimate goal or aim should be is perfect peace, harmony in a utopian society, um, that is the world over. If that is the ultimate goal, <laughs> well, we have lots of hurdles to that, of course. And the aforementioned that I just brought up were just a couple of examples, a few examples to that. Um, and I have, s wow, you, you have me with so many, so many things to address and to think about, as I'm sure all your listeners who listen to this awesome, most recent episode of your podcast, um, are probably having swim through their brains right now. <laughs> so, um, TB, TB continued. <laughs> uh, great, great job. And that was infamous hottie. I, I was intrigued by your idea of addressing some of these issues from within science and religion. And, and then the more I thought about it, the bigger the dilemmas seemed. From the perspective of science, I've read articles and learned information through others who have done the research that a lot of those comparisons between genders has been studied, has been highlighted, and has been shared, but it's not common knowledge or it's not commonly held beliefs. You know, like even the idea, just parenthetically speaking, that uh, vaccinations cause autism. That was uh, a farce. It was a study somebody did that was made up and fake. But to this day, there are, st and this was decades ago, but to this day, there are still people who believe that's true. And I think if we're looking at genders and the differences between them, those beliefs have been held so much longer than the one about vaccinations that trying to uproot that to dissipate those beliefs, you know, to implement new understandings. Oh gosh, that is a huge, huge undertaking. I don't know how long it will take before people understand that there are strengths in both genders, just as there are weaknesses in both genders. And we are just different. Even the makeup of how our brains are physically there, um, there are differences. And then when I look at the topic of religion, now I haven't studied a lot of them in depth, but I came from a background that uh, was very religious. And so I've done a lot of study and reading in Christianity and the Bible and so on. And those scriptures, there are so many in there that 
do talk about the superiority of men. They don't put it in those words necessarily, but the men being the the ruler of the house, you know, um, that kind of thing. And in order to address, uh, without getting into all of the details of those verses, etc., in order to address these topics from within religion, I don't know how you do that because I don't think... I mean, I don't have the Bible memorized, but I don't know of any verses that talk about women being, uh, okay, maybe there's one or two about women being uh, equal in his eye type of thing, but there's still so many more verses about men being the head of the household and that women should, uh, there's a certain word that's it. The word is submit. Women should submit to their husbands. And that word submit in English is slightly different uh, in the languages of the Bible, but still it's the same idea to some extent. Anyway, <laughs> all of that to say, if we go from within science and uh, religion, it's a, a huge uphill uh, endeavor. And I don't, I don't even know where you would begin. Because the first science, I think it's about making those understandings more common and more commonly held. So not just the information getting out. You have to make it believed, you know, in the core of who we are. And then from religion, yeah, I, I don't know that there are enough verses to change or to encourage change. But there's, of course, possibility that I... I'm clueless, and there's some other ways of approaching this, but it's an interesting idea. I think it would be, it would have merit if there's a way to do it. And you made another good point that got me thinking is what, what is it we're really striving for? You know, this utopia or equality on earth. And I have, I have no idea, but it, if you'd asked me that a few days ago, I probably would have said, it's something we should strive for or want to strive for. But now I've been reading this book by Steven Pinker and and he highlights and some for some reason this just hit me full force is that everything is that is alive is endeavoring to fight against entropy. And if that's if that's really what a lot of life is all about, fighting against it but also enjoying our time here and learning and growing and all of that, then I guess it sort of creates this upward spiral of what we seem to aim for, what we want, but we're still fighting entropy. I'm just, I don't know. I, I like the idea of it. I like wanting to strive for equality, but I think you're right. We are so flawed as human beings that I don't think it's possible. I don't think anything perfect is possible. Anyway, uh, thanks for calling, and you've given, me, you've given me some other avenues and things to think about. I appreciate it. Seeking Plum, what a great topic about hierarchy and in the workplace and in life. And also the pressure as men and how we should be men. Not just you being yourself, but to be a man, to be responsible, to take action, to not look weak, to not be a girl, to not be a, just let me allow this colorful language, a bitch. 
yeah, it's been ingrained in the culture of many races for a very long time. And Kavanaugh, although I, I really honestly, I'm, I don't, I, much like you, I don't really follow the news. I really especially don't care all that much. But this topic is a big one. And I am just barely scratching the surface. But I'm enjoying what I'm hearing thus far. That was Dewan of the Fried Oreo with some really great examples of things we hear and, and lie under the surface in everyday life. The one comment that really bothers me when I hear it because I think it, it uh, dehumanizes, it degrades, it is disrespectful and dismissive of both genders is the comment of not to be weak like a girl or, you know, for men to be compared to a woman as if we are something less and that you must be something different. Like both of those things are so messed up. I really hope that what Jared said will ring true and continue to ring true. And that is that with the change and the continual change of how families are uh, formed and with same-sex relationships, with uh, all of that, that there will hopefully be even more understanding and acceptance of the, the differences in our genders, but an appreciation for them, more importantly, so that not one is elevated over the other, but that we can see, we can see the value, the worth in these characteristics, these traits that make us different. I think it's long past due that we stop elevating uh, anyone in any particular area. So women in the home, men being strong, you know, these different things. I think, I think we just need to see each other as individuals. Anyway, I, I want to thank each and every one of you that have called in and participated in this conversation and to the rest of you for listening and maybe thinking about some of this and passing on ideas to others. I think, I think the more we learn and the more we spread those ideas, the better. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening and for talking.